the big question is how can meditation help us know that we're not self-existent ourselves as well as everything out there? Well, you see, the way that it can is by, as we develop concentration and mindful awareness, we can start observing what's happening as it's happening. And when we do that, we'll start to notice that that there isn't the kind of self that we think there is. We'll start to notice that uh, I can't think of a very different way to say it, but we start to notice that when you're seeing, there's just seeing. There's there's no there's really nobody doing the seeing, and the the, the self, the seer, is something that gets introduced afterwards. And when your mind is is focused well enough, and uh, and and your habit of mindfulness is strong enough, and you observe what's happening, you, you find that experience unfolds in this in this marvelous. Uh, 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 light of conscious experience, and that uh, you see that happening, and then you see after that, you see the idea of a self arising and appropriating the experience to itself, and you realize it's just another idea. Another way that it happens when you're sitting in meditation is it becomes very clear to you that that. Your life is a stream of conscious experiences, and there's only two kinds of objects of, of consciousness, which are sensations and, and mental objects. And you realize that the self is just another mental object that arises every now and then. And then another thing that you observe, if, if you have trained your mind and you are observing what's happening, is that your intentions, that all along this idea you had that I'm deciding this, and I'm doing this, and I'm wanting this, and, and, and I'm feeling this, and I'm thinking this. You start to observe that, well, no. I didn't decide this. This decision just came up from the invisible recesses of my mind, and it's obviously the result of my previous conditioning. There's no I deciding this. And you see the same thing with your impulses to action or to speech and your intention. You'll see they're just arising by themselves, out of the mind, out of some invisible place of the mind, you know. <clears throat> and, and 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 then at that point, even you know, if you're looking for the self, at that point you say, well, gee, if there is a self, it must be hidden in that dark back room that I can't see, because certainly the conscious. The consciousness that is observing the intention arising uh, uh, didn't create the intention. And not only that, the consciousness that's observing the arising intention can see that actually it's coming out of causes and conditions. It's coming out of past experiences. And so you begin to suspect, well, maybe there isn't even some mysterious self in, in the back room of the mind creating these intentions. They are just simply coming out of past experiences. So these are the ways in which you can begin to realize that the kind of self that we believe we have and it just doesn't exist. And this right what I've just talked to you about is is our natural sense is 
is there must be a self because somebody is experiencing this. And there must be a self because somebody's deciding and doing. And, and so it's really powerful when your mind is, is clear enough and focused well enough. And the other thing about this, let me just make it clear, is we're not putting ourselves into some fantasy state of mind where we see something that we expect that we're going to or that some teachers told us we're going to see. We're just simply making our mind stable and making our mind powerful in its perception. And it's exactly the same stability, clarity, and power that we can observe anything else with that when we observe our own mind with, we find this, that, hey, there is no need in all of this for an experiencer. The experience just happens. And there's no need in here for a decider and a doer, because it happens. And then we look at where it comes from, and it, it comes not from any kind of self, but from causes and conditions. And so that's how meditation allows us to do this. But we've got to look. If we don't look, we won't find, you know. <laughs> and it really helps to have some guidance in where to look and how to look. And how long. And how long to look. Is this, this, uh, it seems to me this is a very long, you have to spend a lot of time in meditation in order for to get that to that state. Well, how long you spend, you see, you, you have to create the right conditions. And the mind that you begin with already, you know, you arrive in the moment of, of, of taking up the practice with a lot of past conditioning. Okay? And then from that more moment forward, you are you are undoing old conditioning and you are creating new conditions. So it will partly depend on what kind of conditioning you arrived with, but it will hugely depend on uh, how diligent you are in the process of creating the right conditions to actually see and understand, and also whether you're doing it properly. Because you can be very diligent and put a lot of time and energy into it, but if you're not doing it in, in the right way, it will take an awful lot longer to happen. You know? so, uh, so that's an important part of it too. How long it takes, it does not have to take a long time. It actually, it actually does not have to take a long time. And it can happen. Uh, it can happen at almost any time if the conditions are right. Um, to see that the self that we think we are is just something that our mind is making up, because our, our mind needs to make up the idea of a self in order to function in the world. Right? And, and so when we realize that it's not something that's real, it's not an inner ego God that we need to keep, you know, paying obeisance to, then, then we are liberated to a large degree. So it's creating a condition so that we can see that. 
likewise, uh, creating the conditions so that we can see uh, what we experience as external reality for what it really is. See that that this is as much a creation of the mind as the self is, and it serves exactly the same purpose as the self. It's a way for the mind to organize sensory experience to make sense of it and to uh, uh, and, and to function and act. But the other conditions that are important, the the ultimate thing is to take this understanding and with that as a foundation to uh, to go beyond these to, to recognize that the self is an illusion to recognize that the way we perceive the world is an illusion is one thing but the other thing is to have some experience of what lies behind the illusion and that has its own unique set of characteristics because our mind is constantly regenerating appearances, constantly, so quickly, that we can't see what lies behind those appearances. The only thing that will cause the mind to pause in its creation of these projections is for the mind itself to develop a very, very powerful Equanimity. Now, let me put this in another way. If we look at why the why does the mind keep creating these appearances, it, it, the mind is uh, is driven to create the appearance appearances by an internal logic, and that internal logic is one that uh, not only sees its own appearances as being real but assigns value to them. It's the fact that the mind assigns value to its own projections and its own constructs that keeps the mind churning them out. When we develop, or when the mind develops equanimity towards its own projections, then it becomes less prone to continue so assiduously in their creation. And that's what we're looking for, is to create a strong enough sense of equanimity that the mind pauses and then when the last image fades away then there is the reality that lies beyond and the mind will resume its projection shortly thereafter but that's all we need is that one peak behind the curtain well it's not all we need we need to be able to go back and peek again and again and after we come back into the world of appearances and the mind thinks to itself, well, what was that? And it makes up a story about it. And we need to go back and look again to undermine the new story. You know, and, and it gets more and more refined. So where does the equanimity come from? Well, if you develop deep states of concentration and mindfulness and you sit in meditation, then uh, part of what develops is equanimity. One of the results is equanimity. You get up and you go back out in the world and you experience a lot less craving, a lot less desire and aversion. And so you have equanimity of samatha. Uh, uh, but in the seeing into the emptiness of things and the emptiness of self, that also produces an equanimity. The more deeply we understand 
you know, and if we cultivate the habit of, of reminding ourselves that things are empty and, and, and seeing if we can realize how you just recognize it, well, my mind's just making it look that way. If we do that often enough, and if we also, when we find ourselves attaching to emotions or attaching to, to goals or projecting actions or things like that, if we can train ourselves to remember what we've already discovered that, well, that feels like I'm doing it, that's just coming from some deep conditioning. There is no self. So this is, this is another way that the mind acquires equanimity, is through insight, through knowledge. Uh, and when you begin to see that, well, uh, if I attach to this impulse that arises, and say, I am such and such, and carry out an action in, resu- in response to that, and I do such and such, because I want such and such, and, and see that those things are only creating suffering. This is where mindfulness comes in. Your mind's been doing this all the time, and although it's a conscious mind, it hasn't put together A and B you know, to discover that E equals C. And, and, and the truth that you want you want to condition your mind to discover for itself is that these things it's been doing are not producing the result that it thinks it's going to. It's producing a different kind of result and it's just contributing to the endless cycle of dissatisfaction and frustration and temporary pleasure and so grasping after more and more. When you see this, when you see this, I should say when your mind sees this, when as a result of your practice, this mind, the very mind that's doing the projection of all these appearances, also begins to understand through mindfulness that these these are illusions and that pursuing them is, is, is just causing unhappiness. That creates a very powerful equanimity. So, the condition that you're trying to create, what all of this adds up to in the end, that's another way you could simplify the description of the practice, is everything you're doing is trying to create enough equanimity so that the mind will cease for a moment in its seemingly endless creation of, uh, of, of a world in a particular way. And the effect of that is to give that very same mind a hugely different piece of information to process. And it takes a while for it to process it, too. Which is why, as I say, you need to, you need to go back and, and look beyond the veil uh, more, more than once in order to really, to really get the full effect, to, get the, to produce the kind of change that needs to happen 